So I'm gonna play you something, okay? Are you all ready? Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna need you to see it. I'm gonna first. I'm gonna do the noise, and then I'm gonna let you see what it is. And I'll post a video of it for you guys on social media. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Anna, no, no, throw it out a window. Throw it out of a window. Take them batteries out. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Guys, at home, it's a pink twerking llama. It was my daughter's uh, birthday (laughs) this last weekend, and one of her friends gave her that. So obviously, I have discovered now that the mom must hate me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she does. (laughs) You you must have done something to her. I haven't stopped hearing that sound for... Like three days. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. So if, if like the times weren't bad enough, at least you guys don't have a twerking pink llama. <laughs> I would have thrown that out a window by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've come close. That's horrific. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Murder Friends, the podcast where three friends from three different countries talk about murder. My name's Alana, and I'm Canadian. I'm Anna, and I'm American. My name's Hannah, and I'm British. So sit back and relax, you're among friends, and let's talk murder. How are we all doing in the face of lockdown 2.0? Oh, you know. I um, I sat on my glasses, um, as you do, because all, all I do lately is I sit at home, and I, I either work or I sit and I don't work. And I sat on my glasses. They're okay, but I realized that I don't have any backup pairs. Like, that. that is my only pair. And I am blind. Not clinically blind, <laughs> but um, to a scary degree. So I went online, as you do. I found some cheap glasses, two for one. So I was like, hell yeah, sign me up. I ordered them, plugged in my prescription, all the rest of it. And one of them is this, like, really thin wire frame like quite big circle eye lenses whatever with like a thin wire frame and I was like I'd never wear something like that but girl you only live once so I (laughs) I picked those ones is it like the Harry Potter ones not that circle they're kind of more like (laughs) octagons but they're they are big and it is a big wire frame and I was like hell I can pull it off like no worries and then I was thinking about it and my partner was looking at them and he's like I don't want to alarm you. <laughs> it's never like a good. <laughs> so sweet. He's like, I don't want to alarm you, but do you know who Dennis Nielsen is? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and so um, I now own prescription glasses that look suspiciously like Dennis Nielsen, and I can't. I can't unsee it. They're not exact, of course, but once you get the idea in your head, here I thought I was getting these really cute 70s-inspired glasses, and now I have Dennis Nielsen's glasses. So that's how my lockdown 2.0 is going. It's starting. That's how it started. That's amazing. (laughs) I feel like we're going to need a picture of that. We're going to need you to put them on. We'll get, uh, yeah. Send us a photo. We need a visual. (laughs) It would have been a great Halloween costume. I know. Oh, it just killed me. That's great. Yeah, so things are like, I'm just, you know when you're just like, oh, not again. (laughs) 
So we're UK and we're we went from tier one area uh, to full on lockdown again. <laughs> I was all like, I can live with the tiers because I feel like you can kind of feel it coming. We might go to tier two, but no, we went straight to national lockdown again. So it's a bit defeating, but I guess uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> they say it's going to be four weeks, which is probably unlikely, but we can we can all hope. Yeah, I went to Tesco, uh, I guess, the day before. I didn't realize it was the day before lockdown came into effect. And uh, we just wanted to, like, pick up a couple bits. And already, all the pasta is gone. There's cans of beans all over the floor. Like, people were, like, <laughs> digging through them. So It's like, how did you not learn from last time that the food shops are still open, guys? Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah we were in Sainsbury's on um, Sunday. And there was just, like, half the amount of toilet roll there. <laughs> And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, for God's sake, we're not doing this again. You know it wasn't fair. No. It was in, like, when I, li- I live in town, and I get that the, the shops that are going to close, there's, like, big queues, like, outside mm-hmm. of, like, the odd H&M and whatever. Like, because those are going to close, and if you want to go in there, I think people are trying to do their Christmas shopping because I think they feel like they're not, the shops aren't going to open um, and stuff like that. But I just can't get, I just can't understand the supermarket. Just, just can't understand that one at all. But um, so what we'll try to do is, if you are also a UK listener, we will try and share some of our, our what we're watching and stuff like that um, with you guys again, hopefully. So, are you guys actually watching anything? Maybe not true, true crime related at the minute. I've watched um, two things. Oh. But Alana, you can go first. Oh no! Might, <laughs> no, they you, might be no, the no, same. No. Oh no! You go first. <laughs> Um, so I watched uh, The Queen's Gambit. Oh, I saw that. That good. was going to be my thing. <laughs> That's why right. I said you should go past. <laughs> what did you think of it, Lana? Oh, I absolutely it? loved it. Mm. Yeah, we watched. There's so only, I mean, it's a mini series. I think there's like seven episodes or something. But we watched it over like two nights. Um, it was so good. It was so interesting and like so well done. And the costumes and everything was just wonderful. Yeah, the outfits, the hair, the makeup. Oh, the outfits. Oh, her eyeliner is just Oh, I'm I'm already, you've got, you had me at eyeliner. (laughs) Oh, she has like, she's like the the, the main character. I don't know what her, the actress's name is, but she is like insanely beautiful. And she has this like, this perfect like 60s, like 50s, 60s, like cat eye. And Mm. it is just like, oh my God. If I achieve one thing over this lockdown, it's to figure out how to do that, that perfect eyeliner. But no, I think it's brilliant. Really, really good. That was, it's literally, I've been seeing it. I've heard a few people say, so you guys have convinced me I need to check it out. What else have you mm. watched? You said two things, Hannah. Yeah, the other one I watched is completely off, off piste for me. I watched, um, it's on Netflix again, and it's called The Secrets of the Sakara Tomb. I saw that, um, Oh. like, advertised. It's amazing. It's like a documentary, and it's um, about a tomb they found in Egypt. And them excavating it, and they have all these experts come in. They have like a, a like all these Egyptologists, obviously, but they have people who um, specialize in like mummification, and then um, they have like the bone experts come in to try oh, and figure out awesome. like how the people died. And they go, they like dig down into these shafts, and it's absolutely fascinating. Really, really, really good. That's great. Like history. That sounds good. But the thing is, like, yeah, it, it's not really like something that I'd normally like watch. But it was, yeah, it was brilliant. Sometimes, like, you surprise yourself with what you find. Because you kind of, I kind of get stuck into, like, I'm so, cent- like, centralized around 
crime and true crime and mystery and stuff and thriller, that sort of like that genre that I'm like, oh, I won't like anything else. But then when I actually step outside of like that, then I was like, oh, wow, actually, it's really good. It's really good. Um, I've been watching a show called Borgen and it's a Danish political drama and they have three seasons Ooh. and it's already like, I don't think, I don't think there's going to ever be any more. It is so good. It's subtitled. So, you know, if you don't like reading that sort of thing, but I love a Scandinavian, usually like Scandinavian, like noir, mm. like they do really good crime stuff, like um, the killing and the bridge and like, there's so many of them. But uh, this one was like politics. And I'm like, I don't know, but oh, I've been addicted to it. It's very good. Very well made. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been up to. I'm very much for Queen's Gambit. I am still making my way through Sopranos. Uh, it it started in lockdown one and we are continuing it now in yes. lockdown two. <laughs> Sopranos. Absolutely fabulous. I'm also watching McMillions, which I never watched when it came out. Oh, me neither. Hmm. It was like that big um, crime documentary about the McDonald's monopoly thing, which I knew it had happened, but I really had no idea anything further than that. So I've been watching McMillions. It's really interesting, and it's done in a way that's really, like, I, I'm really enjoying it. So I get a little bit of crime, McMillions. I get fake crime with Sopranos. And then, unfortunately, Queen's Gambit was, like, my non-crime thing, but <laughs> it's sure. so, so good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, and I just want to, like, thank everyone who watched our new, our October special video. Uh, the Pumpkins. Um, don't know that we'll be getting together in November. It doesn't look like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome that. for that one you got this year. Uh, no, um, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think we asked you guys to vote. And I think Kat might have won because apparently, mm, I do think I'm Kat sorry. won. I think she was a rare. Like, sorry that I'm good at craft. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've never crafted a pumpkin before. Yeah, was that a piss take of my accent? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, shit. stunning. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Anyway, thank you guys, and hopefully as soon as we can, we'll be, maybe by Christmas, we can put another one out. We'll see how it goes. All right, true crime news. Um, all right, so I have two little updates, tiny, tiny updates on cases we've spoken about, and then I have got some new stuff, okay? So first thing is, Keith Ranieri was sentenced to 120 years in prison. Um, we talked about him, was it last episode? Last full episode? Um, I think Hannah mentioned him on one of them. We had a true, well, actually that was connected to Amanda Knox. It was kind of like intertwined. Yeah. But he is, was the leader of the Nexium cult. Um, yeah, so he, 120 years in prison. He's already 60 years old, so basically... He's not getting out. Um, and it's for sex trafficking and other crimes. Um, and the judge also ordered him to pay a $1.75 million fine. Ooh. So, yeah. Ouch. Do, sometimes I don't really, like, understand when they get ordered to pay stuff. But, like, does he have that money? Like, how does that work? Or does, like, any money he does have or any assets just immediately get the loot, like? I don't know. No, me neither. If anybody knows. Did you hear about these, like, huge lawsuits yeah. where the, the payout is massive? But it must be in proportion to the assets which that person holds, right? 
Well, I was going to say, I've heard stories where, you know, someone's um, made to pay a certain amount of money and they will never pay it. Like, the the person's never going to see that money because they just don't have it and it it goes nowhere. But I don't know in which which cases that happens. Yeah. That's Mm. what I thought. Because I swear I've heard in other cases where you're like, they don't have that money. Like, what is the point? Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to just be a sort of statement of the fact that, I don't know. Story number two, Chad and Lori Daybell. We haven't talked about those guys in a while. Um, But basically, there was an article I just read recently from East Idaho News, and it just saying that their trials are actually going to be combined. So they're not having separate trials. They're combining them, um, I guess, because they're charging them with the same things and essentially just have to do it twice. So the judge did agree. Let's um, combine them also because they... Uh, worry about trying to find a unbiased jury pool. Good luck with that. Because um, mm-hmm. everybody knows about this story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that's whenever that starts. Well, obviously, whenever that trial begins, we'll probably be updating regularly on that. So, the story I have for you today is... Um, now, I I put this on my personal Instagram the other day because I just couldn't get enough. And... Basically, a woman allegedly impersonated prosecutor to get her charges dropped against herself. <laughs> the best part of it is literally the, the mugshot of her. It's the smuggest mugshot I've ever seen. <laughs> it's amazing. So a Littleton, New Hampshire woman um, is accused of pretending to be a prosecutor and submitting paperwork, dropping stalking and drug charges against herself, according to an indictment handed down this month. So the New Hampshire union leader reports that Lisa Landon, 33, she was arrested arrested after she allegedly submitted false documents in three separate court cases last November and December under the guise of being the prosecutor. (laughs) So in some of the instances, she actually even used the electronic court system to file the documents. So this is even better. Officials first became suspicious when a stake forensic examiner who was scheduled to evaluate Landon's competency for trial noticed that her charges had been dropped and questioned if they should move forward with the evaluation. So she's basically I know (laughs) she succeeded in it. It was only because this this psychiatrist this forensic examiner noticed was wondering why her charges had been dropped. So she like she didn't go away with it. She got away with it. Oh my god. So um Landon falsified a decision from a retired New, New Hampshire Supreme Court judge to waive filing fees in a lawsuit she brought against um, the Hildenborough's, Hildenborough County government. She's also accused of filing an order on behalf of a relative to halt guardianship proceedings involving her child. So <laughs> now she's got those charges plus <laughs> um, charge of false um, impersonation and six charges of falsifying physical evidence. Oh, my God. But, I mean, good effort. Yeah, go big or go home. Yeah, like, it sounds like she wasn't doing too badly at it either. <laughs> yeah, it was like a big brain move. I'm, I'm in for it. I'm kind of impressed. So I, I know that maybe that could have fallen under weird crime, but I was like, no, no, no. You're going to get true crime news. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my last story today is about a um, Vladimir... Margov, I butchered that last name and I apologize. He is known as the Sausage King in Russia. And he was found (laughs) murdered in his sauna by a crossbow. 
Did you say sausage king? Yes. <laughs> you sure did. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to just lean into the microphone. Yeah. Did yeah. you did you say that? <laughs> I did. The sausage Amazing. king. So him and his partner um, were in an outdoor sauna cabin when they were attacked, reportedly by two masked assailants. The woman managed to escape out of a window and call the police, but detectives then found the body of Mr. Sausage King, um, and he owned some of Russia's largest meat processing plants. That's, I think, why they had it. They call him the Sausage King, not because, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I was either going meat factory owner, porn star. I know. I quite. Exactly. I think yeah. that's what drew my attention. I was almost a little bit disappointed that um, it was because he has meat processing plants, but whatever. So they have, like, detained him suspect in connection with the murder. It happened at his country estate about 40 kilometers outside of Moscow. It was early Monday morning. The intruders, like, demanded cash from him and fled in a car, but they were able to catch him, they said. The late, the, the getaway car was later recovered. So I don't know if it was just, like, because um, you wonder sometimes, like, a crossbow? Like, that's... Is that all you could, like, get your hands on to, like... Mm. That's very, just, like, Game of Thrones, though. I eh? know. I was picturing him, you know, like... What's his name? Lannister. Mr. Lannister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. What's his... Oh, the father. Tyrion. No, yeah, crossbow of the heart. Yeah, he's like on the toilet. Anyway, <laughs> get, maybe he was a Game of Thrones fan. I don't know. I mean, obviously very, very sad for his family. I am ba- making light of it. But um, they've obviously arrested somebody, so that's good. So this week for our review section, we are going to talk about a new podcast called Where is George Gibney? I had no idea who this was or what the story was, so I went into it quite blind. Hannah actually mentioned the podcast um, when we were sort of talking about like what should we listen to um, and that came up. So it is a new podcast from BBC Sounds, which also never listened to before, but I ended up giving it a shot and I finished it. Not necessarily because I loved it, but I think it had been so long since I had a podcast where it was like one story for for the whole thing and I just really, I I needed one of those. Unfortunately, this one is extremely upsetting um and it does deal with sexual abuse of children so if you want to skip this please do so but please come back later in the episode don't leave please even though the subject matter is quite heavy i thought they did it in a way that was um, very respectful of the survivors and the interviews and that sort of stuff so the podcast follows George Gibney, of course. Um, Like I said, I had never heard of him. I had never heard of this story, but he was essentially a celebrity, really. He was one of the best Irish swimming coaches and often coached swimmers to like a national or Olympic level, really. Like he was, in Ireland, he was an icon. Now, as you can imagine, since this podcast deals with sexual abuse, we learn fairly early on in the story that Gibney was actually charged with 27 counts of sexual abuse involving children and the youth that he coached. And we also learn that a judicial review in 1994 actually prevented the case from proceeding uh, due to the length of time that had elapsed between the alleged incidents and then. So basically, they thought Gibney wouldn't be able to adequately provide his whereabouts or his alibis because too much time had happened. So that's kind of like the jumping off point I found. But the thing that really stuck out for me was 
actually the survivors and how they sort of banded together through like such a horrific thing. So on a plane to a swimming world championships in 1990, so four years prior, swimmer Chalky White, which hell of a name, Chalky White. Great name. <laughs> great name. He strikes up a conversation with Gary O'Toole. They're both swimmers. They're both going to this world championships. And God bless Chalky is really the one that kicks this whole thing off and basically comes out to O'Toole and says, you know, has given me an ever done anything to you so to speak O'Toole has no idea what he's talking about but um Chalky comes out and says like yeah Gibney's abusing me so and they come together and the podcast sort of uses this as a catalyst so the two of them together go and seek out other victims and the interviews with them are honestly really well done and they're so articulate and just really interesting people and dozen more people are interviewed at that point. And unfortunately, they have to relive their trauma, right? They're, they're speaking to detectives and the police, sort of building up this case. It also seemed like a lot of them wanted to do something about it, but they didn't know where to start. So we get one interview where they, they knock on this woman's door who had been abused by Gibney. And she's basically says, you know, I've been waiting years for you to come. Like, I am ready. Like, I am I was waiting. I'm ready. Let's do this. And people are terrible. And a lot of people don't believe the victims at first. Of course, Gibney was an Irish celebrity. He was doing so much for the country in terms of swimming. He was, you know, at an international stage. He was fabulous. Of course, he was awesome. And of course, we know that... Chalky and O'Toole and all these other survivors, they come together. We have this trial that never takes place. And we know that Gibney escapes prosecution and is kind of like disappears. Although we do find out that when he disappears, two other national coaches, Derry O'Rourke and Gare Doyle, sorry about those names, they would actually later themselves be jailed for sexual abuse of children. So they were caught. They were finally prosecuted, but Gibney just kind of disappears. So the podcast does focus on, first off, just finding him, you know, figuring out where he went. And they do catch up with him. They find out that he still had access to children and he was even volunteering at a hospice at one point, which just fucking outrage. But we never truly find out who helped him get a, a coaching job in America in the first place. So that's how he was able to leave. He was offered this great coaching job in the U.S., gets him over there, and then he basically has spent the rest of his life there. But we don't know who helped him. We never get an interview with him, although we, they do approach him at one point. And we find out he is living in Florida <laughs> because... <laughs> Of course, he's living in Florida. I'm so sorry. So sorry to Florida residents. But yeah, that's where he, he ends up. So as a result of the podcast, more information has actually come up and more people have come forward. So they are going to be releasing two episodes, at least they plan to, in December. So if everything goes to plan, we can kind of do like a true crime news update with what they, they post. But as of right now, I think there's like seven or eight episodes that you can listen to that sort of give you the whole story, as it is right now, at least. Overall, I thought the podcast was 
like it was very well done. It's it's high quality. They have great audio. They have interesting interviews. Um, it's not really something that I enjoy listening to. And the fact, you know, that Gibney has not served any jail time for what he's done. But I also think it's really important to amplify these types of stories so people are aware that this kind of stuff happens, that there are laws that need to be changed, that people in power, you know, of coaching or of children, they need to be scrutinized, not just because, you know, they're a celebrity and they're so fabulous because what they're doing for the country, like, nah, they need to be looked at at in a harder way. So on one hand, good. On the other hand, difficult to listen to. Um, but that's sort of like a a brief overview. I don't want to get too deep into it because it obviously it is very upsetting. I listened to, and I listened to the whole thing. So I listened to some of it. Um, I did struggle a little bit, and it's only because I'm not Irish, to tell the difference between the people talking in some of the interviews. Mm. Yes. Like, it's only because, you know when you're like, wait, who was that? Wait, who was that? And I'm having myself like trying to like, mm-hmm. um, you, you really have to follow it. So you could try to differentiate who's talking about, you know, at that time. But that was like, um, you know, my only, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's good for stories like this to be told because, you know, hopefully it just show, you know, continues to drive people like this. Um, it's like what happened with that, the Larry Nasser, the gymnastics coach, the USA gymnastics coach um, who is in jail. He did get prosecuted. I don't think he's ever getting out. Um, you know, we should, we should still be aware of these things. So that's good. Yeah, I haven't finished it. Um, I'm on episode, I think I'm like halfway through episode seven. But one of the things that the only, everything you've said is, you know, I, I agree with 100%. And the thing I agree with most is how um, sympathetically and how compassionately the interviews have taken place. I think it was absolutely fantastically done. I think there's one episode where he goes running with um, one of the victim's sisters. Um, and I was out at the time and it was like, I was trying not to cry. Mm. It was mm. so like, it was just, it was just, it was just done so well. Like my eyes are filling up with tears now. Um, it's just, it was such like a devastating, it's a devastating topic, but people need to know that they can't get away with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I guess overall in terms of like a rating, uh, because I have finished it, I would give it a four out of five in that. It is very well done and it's um, done in a way that I don't feel is, um, what's the word I want? They're not like scandalized, like. uh, It's not exploitative. Yeah, thank you. It's done in a way and and absolutely what you're talking about when he goes for a run with the victim's sister, you know, because she says she thinks about her sister when she goes running. So he goes running with her and it just like breaks your heart. I only give it, you know, not perfect because it definitely is tricky to listen to and it's not for everybody. But I did think it was very interesting and I I did uh, like fly through it. I I had a hard time putting it down, you, you know, even saying that. So definitely recommend it if you want to know more about the story and and the way that it was showcased and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think I'd go for like a similar rating. I haven't finished it yet, but I'd definitely go for like a four. It was, it was good. Yeah, I'll um, I haven't listened to as many episodes as you both, but from what I listened to, it was really well done and respectfully done. Um, it is just like a tough subject matter, so just mm. if you struggle with anything like that, it may not be for you. But honestly, it was a very well produced um, podcast. 
The one thing I will say, this is totally kind of like unrelated, not important. They have a lot of ambient noise. So they're in the car Mm. and you can hear like car doors closing and stuff. And because I was listening to it with like my ear pods in my ears, I kept thinking that the ambient noises were in my house or like <laughs> someone was closing a door like in, in my drive and stuff. I'm like, oh, wait, is is that so? Like, no, actually, it's just in the podcast. So, yeah, the ambient noise, very high quality because I, I mm. thought it was happening. You're to like, me. I was there. <laughs> yeah. I was in the car. Immersive. It's yeah. like there's another, um, the, is it somebody, someone knows something, that podcast Oh, yeah. I think they have one. Some of their seasons. I don't know about all of them. But they've had, like, loads of ambient noise. Like, they're... Oh, and they were, like, walking through the snow and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you hear it crunching. Oh, my God. They're like that. Absolutely. I don't know if I like that. Maybe sometimes. But sometimes I'm like, yeah, just... I don't need that. I can visualize. <laughs> yeah, some of them are creepy, though, because I think that yeah. one you're talking about, there was one where they were, like, out in the woods or something at night, mm. and it was kind of, like, a creepy part in the story, and I was like, I don't want to hear, like, the crickets and stuff because it's kind of freaking me out, like, I'm yeah. out <laughs> in the woods or whatever. So I think the second thing we wanted to chat about today was just briefly chat about. We're not necessarily going to go through story to story, but over lockdown... We have been watching a little bit of the uh, Unsolved Mysteries. It was a big one. It got a lot of, like, press coverage. It's been a really popular show um, on Netflix. So I think we're just kind of here to chat about it a little bit and, like, share our opinions and some episodes we might have liked. Alana, what did you think? So first off, oops, sorry, I hit my mic. First off, um, first episode, interesting. Um, We learn about a U.S. veteran who ends up dead in a landfill, very sort of like mob style sort of vibe. And then I was bored one evening and I was like, you know, I'll just I don't want to start anything like a new show or whatever. So I'll just go to episode two. And I texted you guys afterwards like, oh, my God, can you please just watch episode two? Like you can skip the first one. That's fine. (laughs) I just had so many opinions about episode two. It's so like spy mystery. Mm. So this is the tiniest recap that I can possibly do. Woman is found dead in a hotel room and they don't know who she is. She has no identification. The door was double locked from the inside. She has a gun on her, but she has no blood on her hands, like from shooting herself. She has no tags in her that clothing. That's wild. Doesn't that remind you of um, do you know the Somerset that one Man? In Aust- the, the Somerton Man. Yeah, yeah Somerton yes. Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very similar. This. Oh, by the way, this is the second release of Unsolved Mysteries. So there was the first ones were released months ago. This is like the second block mm. right yeah. i think first yeah. season was like the first lockdown and now second lockdowns come around this or second seasons come out you know what we need to do i think we should be onto something because you know if they're like hey we're doing our third release you're like bitches we're, like, no. we're locking down again aren't we <laughs> do not know just be ready <laughs> yeah it was a wild story it was um yeah it just especially when they interviewed the ex-spy and he was like, oh, this was definitely, like, a hit because, that, like, the tags, that's that's a thing. The fact that she was out for, like, a really long time, like, she might have two places she was staying. It was crazy. Did you think it was weird, though? Like, the name that she gave when she checked in was Jennifer Fairgate. And she said that she was from this little tiny village in Belgium. Mm. I don't think Jennifer Fairgate sounds like a particularly 
Belgium name. No. I think it sounds like a British name or a North American name or an yeah. Australian name. It doesn't sound like a European kind of mm. name. What if so there were like... I think that is a crock of shit. What if there were clues <laughs> in that? Like, what if there were clues that were like... Where with the town? Oh, do you think it's gave? like an anagram? Of yeah, yeah like, <laughs> every letter yeah. corresponds to something. To else. something else, and then it, there's the, there's a significance in the town that she gave. Because of all the towns, she would have had to like, what did she just pop her finger on a map? Like because you'd have to just know it because it was just such a. Mm. It wasn't like oh I'm from I'm from London, you know like yeah <laughs> Jennifer Fairgate from London. I don't know like it was a very specific small tiny town. Do you know what I mean? So like yeah. Mm, I, if you I, were a spy, then you might not. You might know about tiny towns. I am mm. convinced that she is a spy and she got murdered. Yeah. Yes, 100%. They tried yeah. to tell us that she went to this hotel to basically commit suicide. But the, one of the other things they talk about is, is that it was like a five-star high, high-end hotel. And she was somehow able to check in without mm. paying or without giving mm-hmm. any sort of credit card or whatever. So she gets into her room. And yeah, like Anna said, they, they figured out there was a time where she left at 10 a.m. and she didn't return until 8 a.m. the following day. And the spy expert is like, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. You want have two locations to go back to if anything happens you're just like oh my god she's a spy she's a spy and even if she you know went there to kill herself or whatever she did such a perfect job hiding her identity that no one has been able to figure out who she is or where she's from and i don't think any random old lady would be able to do that my opinion she's 100 percent a spy What did you think about Lars, who is the journalist who narrates most of it? (laughs) I think he kind of had a crush on her. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. He's really into it. He's like, oh, he's he's really into that. So there's one part where he's just like, he's trying to like come up with these theories and he's just like, oh, was she involved in drug smuggling? Was she a sex worker? And only on the third attempt does he get to, was she a spy? And it was like, Lars, babe, like, that is the <laughs> most obvious fucking thing that she could be. How did you get there on your third fucking attempt? I don't think Lars, I mean, he's done a great job so far. Mm. Got it in the national newspapers. Good job. I don't think he's the man for the case. <laughs> <laughs> Although he no. does dig up her body to get DNA. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Since one of the yeah. like, journalists, like... <laughs> But Do then I'm thinking, does he want to dig up a body for other reasons? <laughs> oh no! I just, I just think he was too into it, and he's. I think that man's got sh- like little tiny blinkers on. He's got, he's focused on this, mm. this other theory. I was like, bitch, he's a, she's a spy. She's like a spy. he needs, he needs a new hobby, like knitting. Could he try pick up something <laughs> new? Also, right, right about the football. Yeah, I love the fact that. Um, so they they show her picture a lot because they're trying to generate interest and like do you know her sort of thing but she's got like really short cropped black hair she's wearing this like leather skirt and this big leather trench coat like and carrying a briefcase also by the way the briefcase is full of bullets so i mean like 25 rounds yeah (laughs) 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 yeah anyway okay i haven't watched any more unsolved after that because i feel like that's like the peak and everything else is going to be downhill. Yeah, you've like you've peaked unsolved mysteries. And I don't even like unsolved crimes. I hate I hate them. But this this episode, episode 2, season 2, go watch it. 
infuriated me so much that I went on like a miniature deep dive into it on the internet of mm. doing other research. And there are three things. This is why I think, this is my CV of why I'm a better person to take this over than Lars. <laughs> First thing, they don't mention this shit. Any of these, they don't mention any of these three things in the Unsolved Mysteries episode. The first thing, she ordered room service on the 2nd of June. But the bit with the security guards, you know, he hears the gunshot noise and then he looks like fucking books it, pussy, was on the 3rd of June. And the autopsy revealed that she had that room service meal in her stomach. So did she eat the day old room service and then shoot herself in the head on 3rd of June? Or did she eat the room service food on the 2nd of June and die the same day? Oh, dear. So do you think he's involved? No, I don't think... What, Lars? Um, no. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> the security guard. No. Yeah. Because the gun, this is the second point, okay. the gun um, that she was found in her hands had actually shot two bullets. One was in her forehead and one was in the pillow. So I reckon she died on the 2nd of June and then the person stayed in the room, was like cleaning up evidence or looking for something. And then when security knocked on the door on the 3rd of June, they fired a warning shot into the pillow to rid- to get rid of them so they can make their escape. Oh my God. This is what I found out on the internet. This is why I'm better than Lars. And the third thing, they found a newspaper in her room with the number... 2816 written on it and her number her room number was 2805 so did she like steal a newspaper did she know someone in the other room or did she have a second room <gasps> Lars wow. babe you're out you're out yeah. Hannah you're out yeah. <laughs> oh my god that's the god. shit I found on the internet from an easy google I just she's a spy okay wow five out of five I'd give it five out of five <laughs> <That> Lars <laughs> Lars, I'd give a two out of five. Yeah. <laughs> Do better. Do better, mate. <laughs> weird crime time. This week for weird crime time, I am taking you to Florida. <laughs> but <laughs> not for a Florida man's story. Oh. So I saw this headline in April, and as the pandemic is still kind of rumbling on, I'd like to sort of share it with you now, because as the UK goes back into lockdown, I imagine this is going to happen again in the UK. So this is from the Huffington Post, and the headline reads, Florida judge begs lawyers, get dressed for Zoom hearings. <laughs> <laughs> begs, that's fabulous. Begs. begs. <laughs> so a Floridian judge has made a desperate plea to the attorneys attending hearings via Zoom. Please get out of bed and please put on some clothes. Judge Dennis Bailey, who presides over the Broward Circuit, wrote an open letter that was published by the Western Bar Association. In the letter, the judge notes... It is remarkable how many attorneys appear inappropriately on camera. One male lawyer appeared shirtless and one female attorney appeared still to be in bed, still under the covers. Oh my God. Putting on, I know, amazing, right? Putting on a beach cover-up won't cover up your poolside in a bathing suit. <laughs> Sis also popped up and said that some lawyers have, quote, no concern for ill grooming and added, so please, if you don't mind, let's treat court hearings as court hearings, whether Zooming or not. <laughs> For reference, amazing. Judge Bailey wears his full judge robes when attending trials and expects the legal professionals participating to be suitably attired. I bet he doesn't have wow. anything under there. Maybe like some nipple tassels or something. <laughs> yeah, that man is butt naked under there. Yeah, he's butt naked. But I was reading about the that, that county... And in one month, they held 1,200 Zoom hearings with a total of 14,000 participants. Wait, so what county was it? Sorry? Um, Broward 
Broward County. County. Yeah. Broward. Oh yeah. yeah Broward. Broward. Yeah. Broward. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Broward County is yeah. I'm that comes out a lot in the like crime TV shows. Yeah. Uh, one of those. Yeah. The judge was saying that he wait, went. Wait, wait. Did you call it Broward? What'd you call it? Broward. <laughs> Broward. Broward. Do you know what when you, you call feel? It? It's Broward. Broward. You know, oh, you yeah, feel, I feel so. so like vindicated right now for like all my butchering of like English places. <laughs> so Worcestershire, I dare you. Um, yeah. the- <laughs> Company bitch. Um, is this a piss take Hannah's accent for once? Anyway, um, he, um, the judge himself says that he won't actually hold any complicated trials over the video platform as technology has its shortcomings. Um, and also people don't put on enough clothes. So <laughs> welcome to Florida. That's shocking. I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine even us Skyping and recording Murder Friends and, like, being in my bathing suit or something. Like, that just... Or, like, you're, 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 like, the cover's pulled up, like, here. Like, that, yeah. Like, like, in. Yeah. (laughs) Can we make a pack now? Like, (laughs) clothes are always required. Maybe we've just destroyed a fantasy for some people. I know. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Wait, wait. It's gonna be sick in my cup. <laughs> oh no. Well, that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. Check out our website, murderfriends.com. You can see where all our sources from today's episode are. Read a little bit more about what was chatted about today. You can email us at murderfriendspod at gmail.com. Let us know any cases you might think are interesting, our podcasts or shows or whatever you're doing if you're in uk lockdown let us know follow us on twitter at murder friends pd or instagram at murder friends pod and we'll see you next time bye, bye.